And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I thought uh, JB and Luca and those guys did a really good job of understanding when we were in the bonus. And so I, I think um, we're being taught by the, one of the best point guards ever um, on the other side of how, how to do things. And, and that's pretty cool this time of the year. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Hello and welcome to the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave Dufour here with Keith Parrish for your weekend update. Before we start, don't forget you can get this podcast without ads by subscribing at theathletic.com slash NBA show. Keith, big weekend in the NBA playoffs and you know what they say. There's no place like home. All home teams won their games this weekend. Keith, the Memphis Grizzlies, your Memphis Grizzlies, the only team to lose a game at home in the second round so far. What's that oh, like? Oh, that hadn't even occurred to me. It's not enough that John Morant's probably out for game four. You have to let me know we're the only higher seed to lose a home game, so, or a only team period to lose a home game. This is horrifying. Uh, even worse, it felt like Grizzlies had, had joined like the marquee night of the NBA. Everyone was fired up the day when it was, hey, we got a Warriors-Grizzlies game. We got a Bucks celtics game. Let's go. And then all of a sudden on Sunday, you got the Mavericks taking care of business. You got the uh, 76ers taking care of business. Suddenly, is this the good day? Is this the good day of playoffs? I don't know. Yeah, uh, it was a wild weekend. And as we enter this, this coming week now, it feels like a lot of these series have new life and uh, are very exciting. Maybe the only one that doesn't have new life is, of course, the Grizzlies series. Yeah, well, we're going to start with the Dallas Mavericks breathing new life into their own team by picking up two huge wins over the weekend. Obviously, they were down 2-0 on, on Nerder on Thursday. We declared this series over. Had no, no chance for the Mavericks. We gave them nothing. And uh, they really showed us, and they showed us by playing defense, Keith. They really have figured out a way to shut down what Phoenix wants to do. Phoenix was 9 of 25 from 3. All this hot shooting that they had had from the mid-range, it's disappeared the last couple games, Keith, and it's because Dallas is just defending better. Yeah, they had a nice defensive rhythm, it felt, in both these games at home. I mean, we knew the Mavericks. like They were built on defense. They were built on half-court basketball. Um, but those first two games looked so dominant for Phoenix. We were like, oh, this is the team that's been better than everyone all regular season. Maybe we've even been sleeping on them in our predictions for like, uh, you know, Suns Mavs in the second round. But now as the series shifted back to Dallas, all of a sudden they, you know, in game three, they, they, they kind of scratch out a win. Um, and in this one, it's like the, it's not just the defense. The first half, it was the offense. And then the three pointers, they knocked down 20, 
three pointers uh, in this game on Sunday. I mean, and, and it's not your normal ones. Luca was only one for 10, but uh, Dorian Finney Smith with a career night with eight three pointers. Davis Bertans, who somehow has played 37 career playoff games, uh, he knocks in four, and uh, the Mavericks have the firepower, you know, to combine with that defense where, where the Suns just can't match it. Well, Keith, we got to talk about Chris Paul in this game because that is probably the big storyline. Only five points in this game, only 23 minutes, but he did, Keith, have six fouls. And I mean, this was pretty, pretty incredible for, for Chris Paul in a playoff game. The the manner in which these fouls occurred honestly should bring back up the whole why in the world do we have foul outs? question some of them were quite silly his fourth foul was i just tremendously bad luck uh he was in there at the end of the first half tries to tip in his own miss at the buzzer it's a correct call but it's also like a borderline call it's not even a foul if you think back to the spirit of fouling like you're making a non-basketball play to try to prevent someone from scoring or having an advantage. No, that was a basketball play. Two guys going for a rebound, and they just collided. You know, So like that was bad luck. His fifth foul, I don't know if this is poetic justice or irony, it was the Chris Paul rule, a rule change that was implemented because no one liked watching Chris Paul fall over in the backcourt and draw fouls on defenders. So like he gets called for a foul where after a turnover, he's everyone's going up court and he veers into Jalen Brunson and causes the contact. Monty Williams feels like because it's his fifth foul, obviously Chris Paul, arguably the most important Suns player. He feels like he has to challenge it and it gets upheld. And so, yeah, Chris Paul, unfortunately fighting foul trouble. And then his sixth foul. I hate to criticize the referees, Dave. We can't that, that is a rough call. That is a yeah. rough one to foul. I'm not saying, you know, okay, you know, some people argue a foul's a foul. You call it no matter who it's on. No, I like my referees to know which important players have five fouls. I like my six fouls to be meaningful and to be purposeful. And that one where uh, where Brunson falls over and draws that on an offensive rebound opportunity was very sketchy. Uh, and that's Chris Paul fouls out. I know a lot of NBA fan bases are not super pleased with a lot of officiating. Like that's this normal state of being, but I will actually give you permission for the sixth foul. That was a bit of a uh, bad luck. Yeah, that was a bad one. And after that fourth foul that you mentioned at the buzzer, uh, Chris Paul, <laughs> he asked Luca if he pushed him that hard and Luca says no, but it was a smart play. And I mean, listen, that if you're Chris Paul, you just have to respect that, right? Like this is this is the league that you've built. It is, in some sense, the league that a lot of these players have built. They have chosen to decide to fall down a lot and let the referees highly influence the game. Everyone has tacitly agreed this is how we play basketball. Like, no, Luka Doncic did not need to fall over on that rebound. If you're playing pickup. There's no chance a player would fall down in that situation, but you fall down to draw the calls. Chris Paul fell down. He veered into Jalen Brunson trying to manipulate the referees into giving him a whistle. Uh, he got repaid uh, on the sixth foul where, where, where Brunson falls down uh, on a shot attempt. And these players in every game, basically across the playoffs and all year long, it's just a part of the game now where you try to draw the fouls, get the referees on your side, uh, get the whistles. 
it isn't the best at all times, and sometimes it backfires on you, and uh, it backfired on Chris Paul today. Yeah, you live by the flop, and sometimes you <laughs> die by the flop. There you go. Speaking of flopping, Joel Embiid came back on Friday for the Philadelphia 76ers and completely changed this series. They pick up a huge win. They blew out Miami on Friday, Keith, and, and Embiid was the key to that, and it started on the defensive end. And, and I think we're going to just talk about these two games together a little bit because we saw a continuation of what we saw in game three and game four, and Embiid was a force. Well, Embiid's incredible. I mean, he's the whole series. We thought in this in this Heat Sixer series when the news came out of the, the broken orbital, it was just a morning that like, oh, I thought we were going to have a good series, and now maybe we're not. And then all of a sudden, masked Embiid emerges. He, you know, delivers these games. The, the Sixers don't have to play DeAndre Jordan anymore, and suddenly we have a series. And then on Sunday, you have Embiid, you know, playing well, but like James Harden, was was monstrous um you know he made six three-pointers it's only the second time the entire season he's made at least six three-pointers in a game and, and it was just clutch shot after clutch shot and also like the miami offense has totally disappeared and like i think the shooting numbers are probably the big the big story of some of these games where they, where they can't hit anything yeah uh again since joel Embiid came back miami just cannot score their, their half-court offense which was something we were worried about coming into the playoffs it just hasn't been able to get going. The only time they've looked decent to me, Keith, is when Kyle Lowry's been out there, which, by the way, he came back with that hamstring issue in Game 3. He had to leave this game uh, temporarily on Sunday for a little bit. I think he was getting some treatment, came back, finished the game. But that was really the only time they looked good in the half court. Jimmy Butler had a fantastic game, 40 points, 12 of 13 from the from the free throw line. Bam out of bio was really good, 21.7 rebounds. But, Keith, if you're Miami, you cannot waste a great Jimmy Butler performance like this and a really good Bam out of bio game when you don't know if you're going to get that sort of production from him if the rest of your offense is clicking. Well, I mean, Jimmy, in these two games at, at Philadelphia, Jimmy was amazing. And then yes. it's like, who else is going to help? You, you, said, you said that you thought, like, the Heat offense looked kind of okay with Lowry out there. But, like, I was watching some of these games, and I'm thinking, is Lowry okay? Like, I think, I don't know if, honestly, they should try to pull him and, and go a different direction just because it seems like he's laboring a bit. The offense isn't there. And especially on Sunday, like, there were some painful moments. Uh, there also was moments where he left, and I thought he'd injured himself again. Also, by the way, trying to draw fouls. Um, and uh, I, I was worried for him. But, like, the Heat just, I think in two games, these two games in Philadelphia as a team, they're shooting 20% from three, uh, 14 for 65. 14 for 65 in these two games. This is an incredible three-point shooting team all season. That was like their bread and butter that they're a three-point shooting team, and now it's it's unfortunately abandoned them on these road games. I guess the good news is technically they don't have to win a road game, but like this is all of a sudden a 2-2 series. It looks like it's going to be a very close match, and, and just I feel like a few days ago, most Heat fans were like, hey, this is great. No Embiid. Life's good, and now Embiid's here. And if Harden arrives, like, 
this is, you know, we make fun of James Harden a lot for like having a, a few postseason foibles. Like James Harden was amazing in this game and the heat actually were getting a little together. I feel like in the fourth quarter, but every time they cut it into the lead, James Harden was like, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to drop another step back three. If you guys are, are giving Embiid all this attention and I can just cook over here and then we can have, you know, alley-oops thrown to Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey can have a good game. Oh, by the way, I, I know I'm rambling on Dave. You want to talk about your guy? Uh, well, your guy, we, I, your guy I'm not getting Green? out of here without talking about Danny <laughs> Green. A great weekend. Danny Green in those two games, 10 of 13 from three. Some of these, I mean, just sidestep threes, things that people forget that a, a player like Danny Green can do. But I am going to go back to James Harden because he was yeah. pretty, pretty amazing. And, and unlike some of his other performances, uh, this one happened in both halves. Now, he scored zero in the first first quarter and then scored 13 in the second quarter and we've seen this from him where he has a nice second quarter and then is just nothing down the stretch but I felt like he seemed to be gaining momentum as the fourth quarter moved on Keith you mentioned hitting those clutch step back threes he was also driving to the basket and creating looks for other guys nine assists in this game you mentioned that pass from Tyrese Maxey to Tobias Harris it was because James Harden had pulled so much defensive attention they forgot Tobias Harris was even on the court. This was what Philly was envisioning when they traded for Harden. As far as like the entire Philly roster, I think this one game, and I know Miami just couldn't make any three-pointers, but I felt like the second half, specifically the fourth quarter of this one, it was like the vision of like, this is what the Sixers want to do. And it gave me a vision of like a team I'd been kind of down on where I was like, oh, this makes sense. Maybe it is just as simple as, hey, guess what? James Harden looks like an MVP level player, the type of player that they thought they traded for. Maybe that's all it is. But like Tobias Harris has had a, a really solid playoff series. This is a guy who has had some less than stellar playoff performances in, in his career. But like we know who Embiid is. He's an MVP type player. And like if you're getting these other performances of Tobias and Tyrese Maxey combined with James Harden playing, you know, 30 point per game, nine assists per game, making a bunch of threes, then you're like, oh, wow. This is not a sad story anymore. This is like a possible team that can come yeah, out. Yeah, and, and again, Embiid is just the difference maker for this team. And the reason why we wrote him off was because we didn't think he was going to play. I mean, it, it, taking the concussion, he couldn't look at his phone for days. Just didn't assume he was going to be ready to play for Game 3, much much less Game 4. That's actually good for you, Dave. Well, you know, I'm certain that the the time away from his devices uh, helped him lock in for, for the defense that he had to play against Miami. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Wait, hold on. How much uh, does it cost if I take Mr. Dan? Is Mr. Dan here? No? Barry, uh, how much does it cost if I... uh say something, a comment about the ref. Is it 20000 it's, it's, it's a lot of money. Eh? <laughs> so I should not do it. I, I save my money. I got to pay for diapers. Um, In Milwaukee, Giannis Antetokounmpo scored 42 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, and led the Bucks to a 2-1 series lead 
over the Boston Celtics. He went. They win this game 103-101, kind of a wild last minute of the game. There was a, a fake tip-in by Al Horford. Uh, Marcus Smart with a missed free throw where actually he, there was a lane violation on him that was uncalled. Keith, this is your favorite thing in sports. It's the chaotic final moment. I love chaos. I love this Bucks Celtics series. I love every uncalled call in this series in these final minutes. I love the controversy. You know, I know like people are going to point to like all right the the Marcus Smart was that a three-shot foul or not? Or should they call it goaltends? Or should there have been other fouls called in this game? For me, it was just two heavyweights going head-to-head. There was that chaotic element. I didn't feel like either team was robbed. I mean, the Celtics were a tenth of a second away from tying this. Al Horford was basically like a superstar this entire game. The missed free throw was perfect as far as I'm concerned. Don't tell me about your last two-minute report lane violations. Like, I loved it. This was art. This was basketball art. With art, there is imperfection, and I'm okay with that. Also, by the way, you make one of my favorite jokes. Dave, you say you're not going to be happy until they review everything. The ends of these games are sometimes interminable with all the reviews. Like, we don't know whether to celebrate until the referees go over and look at the monitor. I like a little imperfection, and uh, I thought the Celtics-Bucks game, especially the ending, I mean, these are two of the best teams. These are two of the best teams, either... Either one of these teams could win the title this year. And uh, it coming down to such like razor thin margins it, from someone who didn't have like a dog in the fight, you know, who's not broken hearted, whichever way it goes. It was, it, yes, perfection, absolute and great. This art. is an old school Eastern Conference slugfest to me. I mean, the offensive defensive rating is 102 and a half to 100 and a half in, in this game. And when you have a defense like the Celtics, and a defense like the Bucks, the shots are hard to come by. Both teams just cannot shoot in this series. Nine of thirty-three from three for the Celtics. Nine of thirty-four from three for the Bucks. And you know the Bucks sort of their their recipe for success. If you don't make threes, they win. Whether they miss them or not, if you don't make threes, they win because they pack the paint. And the Celtics still can't score inside. Jason Tatum continues to struggle. 10 points in this game, 0 of 6 from 3, 4 of 19 overall. What's going on with Jason Tatum and his shooting? I think it's not that confusing. I think it's you're playing a great defensive team. They just keep throwing bodies at him. I mean, like, certainly there were opportunities where Jason Tatum is going to make some of those shots, the ones he missed. But, like, I, I think these are just basically, when it when it comes to the playoffs, possibly the two best defensive teams. And there aren't that many easy buckets. And you see, you know, like, it, it's a testament to the Celtics how good they are that they shot under 37% for the game. And, you know, we're again, we're a tenth of a second, a split second away from tying the game at the buzzer just on, like, sheer determination and grit. Uh, you mentioned Al Horford having a nice game, 22 points, 16 rebounds, five assists. Jalen Brown continues to just play his tail off, 27 points, 12 rebounds. He he really was the key to them offensively and gave him a chance to actually win this game. 
I also thought Derek White, like he struggled a bit. He had a real nice game um, um, for the Celtics. They're just getting like they're getting those contributions from like their guys. They have their eight guys essentially who all pro- play really tough. Like they're going to be kicking themselves because they were this close in the game. But like this series is so good. I still feel like the Celtics are going to win it. I definitely think they're going to win game four. I feel like this is this is like destined to be tied Two games apiece. After yeah, Monday I'm night. just not gonna bet against Giannis anymore. Uh, watching him euro step through the best defense in the league is almost untouched. Oh, we we haven't even said. I mean, Giannis drops forty. <laughs> yeah. on this like unbelievable defense. It's he's an unstoppable force. He's so good. He's so incredible. Referees, keep doing what you're doing. I have no notes. Uh, the guy's awesome. I enjoy this series so much. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I guess Jod did tweet, uh, broke the code with a video of that uh, in response to that. We got another game on Monday. And in what should be the most enjoyable series, um, things have kind of gone off the rails. Number one, let's talk about the game because the Golden State Warriors offense is clicking and they beat the Memphis Grizzlies 142-112. And honestly, Keith, don't know if it was that close. It was weird where they were up by the Warriors were by seven at halftime and it felt like a blowout because they made 70% of their shots in the first half. And I'm sitting there watching there from a Grizzlies fan perspective being like, yeah, jaw made a half court shot. We're down seven, but this team hopefully is not going to shoot 70% the whole game. Uh, whoops. They kind of did. I think they finished 64% for the game. They dropped 78 in the second half, uh, after shooting 70% in the first half. Yeah. Uh, the offense was clicking on all cylinders. The Grizzlies, I mean, they were shorthanded. They were in fact, missing their best perimeter defender in Dylan Brooks. They rolled with Xavier Tillman starting once again, but yeah, they could not keep any Warriors player in front of them, and then the Warriors made over 50% of their threes. Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, Otto Porter, Wiggins. Yeah, uh, Steph on. Curry had 30 points, 14 of 14 from the free throw line. Jordan Poole with 27 off the bench, 21 for Clay Thompson. Uh, Draymond Green had eight assists in this game. And and again, man, the, the offense for the Warriors, when it's doing this, including a little Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, do do swing your partner round and round in the paint to get an open three-pointer. Yeah. I mean, there's just not much you can do, and especially if you're shorthanded like Memphis was for this game. But the big story that, to come out of this game is that John Morant is right now questionable for game four due to a knee injury. And listen, he says that he got hurt on, on a play that Jordan Poole was making on the ball, and Jordan Poole grabs his knee. And and Josh says that's the play that he gets hurt on. Um, I don't know how anyone, Keith, could think that was intentional or dirty or anything of that nature. But the Memphis Grizzlies seem to disagree. Yeah, it's it's this entire series has put everyone in such a weird state. Um, like 
I know like I cover the Grizzlies and I'm getting all this like it's a weird energy where you have to first of all look at things in slow motion and determine intent it's impossible everything in slow-mo is so strange we don't know what's going on but like everyone agrees Grizzlies people agree like the Dylan Brooks flagrant two was not a good play that's a bad look no one endorses that that's not how the Grizzlies play and so like people have become defensive about that but then now this new play is weird where um like Moran is actually doubtful. He's officially doubtful for game four on Monday. He says it was because of this play where Jordan Poole like pulls his leg. So now we're stuck with like, well, he's, he's not going to play apparently. So something happened. He's saying this was the moment. And now everyone has to go to become like internet detectives and say, that isn't what happened. I have no idea. I just know like this entire series has like a weird energy. It went from super fun to now being like, um, like Taylor Jenkins saying he was almost defensive saying, I'm just speaking fact. John Morant says he was hurt on this play. Our medical staff agrees he was hurt on this play. And now like internet sleuthing is everyone saying he wasn't hurt. All we do know he is hurt. We know he's hurt. We don't think Poole did this on purpose. I, I, I certainly don't think that it was just kind of a, a freak play. And now this other injury has added this like this pall over this series again where we just want to enjoy the basketball the games were so enjoyable you know outside of the warriors trouncing the grizzlies in game three there's so many amazing highlights like we wish we could get back to that but now the grizzlies are kind of on the ropes if yeah and uh, the league took a look at the play they, they're not handing out any sort of punishment and, and i think that's the right, right. call listen yeah. man it's a it's a basketball game these guys are going to run into each other. They're going to hit each other in the head. Sometimes you're going to grab a body part. And if that is when Ja got hurt, which, hey, man, that's Ja's kind of been dealing with some knee trouble for a while, so we don't know. He's had some uh, knee issues. But if that's when he the got question, hurt, yeah. hey, that happens. Not everything. You don't need yeah. to point fingers at everything. Not everything is something to, to blame on someone else. I just think stuff happens. And it, it stinks to, to see this series kind of stuck in the mud a little bit. And, and now if Jaws out, man, uh, it kind of feels like, man, this is a wrap for Memphis. Yeah, it really could. I mean, you, you, everyone's going to cite, they're going to bring up the success the Grizzlies had in the regular season without John Morant. I mean, the playoffs are a different beast and the playoffs like the Warriors whole defense was basically um, they actually adjusted. That was a big storyline from game three that they actually threw some zone out there. They clogged the paint. They said, listen, we're not going to let Jaw keep getting to the rim. Guess what? Jaw kept getting to the rim. It was every other Grizzlies player who who, who really struggled. Um, so now if Jaw's not there, like Tyus Jones, he's two for 18 from the field in the series. Like that's that's not going to get it done. Um, he's got to step up. We know he's done in the regular season, but repeating myself, the playoffs are a different beast. Dylan Brooks will be back, and he is kind of like the ooze from Ghostbuster 2. If you boo him, it gives him power, and they're going to boo him powerfully, so it'll be interesting to see if he can step up in, in Game 4. But, like, yeah, no John Moran. That's a tough ask. The guy been averaging 38 points per game in this series. The guy been making four threes, 4.3 threes per game. He, he'd been playing at an incredible level. No one wants to see him not out there. And so, like, that, I think all NBA fans lose. But, yeah, definitely the Warriors are in a position of power right now, and the Grizzlies are going are gonna to be fighting for their lives. Yep. Uh, well, that's going to do it for today's show, folks. Hope you guys have a great start to your week. Keith, let's get out of here. Ding, ding.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.